everyone. This is Andrew from Auto Off Topic. The coloring contest is back, and now it's been improved thanks to Frank Eck. The contest is simple. Complete one of the pages in any of three mediums. This includes electronic using any of the paint type programs, color pencil, marker, and or crayon, with one entry pounded per medium per person. So each individual can have a total of three entries. There will also be two age groups, age 15 and below, and 16 on up. Links to the coloring book pages can be found on our Facebook page or the page for the coloring book contest. Facebook.com forward slash AOTP contest 2017. Electronic entries, including scanned entries, can be sent to us via email, autooftopic at gmail.com. Paper copies can be sent by snail mail to Auto Off Topic Podcast, P.O. Box 35, Georgetown, Mass. 01833. Note, all hard copies received will not be returned. Period. The contest runs through November 30th. The companies and owners groups donating prizes are Mitsubishi Motors North America, Adventure Driven Design, Force Performance, Palladian Trucks, Northeast Mitsubishi 4x4, Mitsubishi Montero Owners Group USA, Florida Mitsubishi 4x4, and Mitsu Nation. All right, on to the show. Welcome to episode 35 of Auto Off Topic. I'm Brad. And I'm Andrew. Hello, Andrew. How are you? So as our guests last week, sorry, our guests, our listeners last week should have figured out when we said that it was a Father's Day special and it was part one of two featuring your father, that part two of two would more than likely feature my father. Yes. So welcome, Father. Well, son, uh, thanks for having me. So, and Andrew, to, tonight's oh, guest is my father, Bob, uh, who has been my obviously main influence in automotive life um, from as far back as I can remember. I can't argue with that. You probably gave me toy cars before all. Oh, you were born, <laughs> likely. Yes, and uh, most of my childhood memories are. Car shows with you and car shows with your father and playing with cars with you and that's about it, you know. I don't see anything wrong with maybe that. a little baseball, a little basketball, but mostly <laughs> mostly cars. So no, that's fine. Uh, before we get into tonight's episode, uh, we have one small point of business to clear up. Um, we wanted to give a a heartfelt apology and a we're thinking about you, buddy. To uh, everybody's good friend Frank Eck, because uh, he has taken it upon himself to share this podcast every week when it comes out, and he shared yes, it. Yes, so, he shared it so much last week that Facebook women Facebook jail. So he's no longer allowed to post on anything until July seventh. Apparently, we are a threat to Mark Zuckerberg. Apparently, we are. Yes. yes. So we appreciate all that Frank Eck has done for us and the Montero and Mitsubishi community in general. Yes. But uh, so we're sure he's going to listen. Um, we just wanted to offer our sincere condolences to his lack of social medias for the past two weeks. Which a bunch of those guys are getting ready for their trip to Mitsubishi Owners Day. In California, yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, a lot of the four. You're going to see a lot of four by fours there. Well, it's funny because obviously the Mitsubishi community is fairly tight because there aren't that many enthusiasts, or as compared to other marks of cars. Yes. So everybody knows Frank and all the all the pages. I think I think it was like eighty five pages he shared our podcast. Too. Oh, really? That's why he got in trouble. Yeah. So we 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 apologize that. And Frank, next time I'm down in Florida for anything, I definitely owe you dinner at least 
maybe like all three meals in a day. <laughs> so hopefully at least you're getting your three squares while you're locked up in jail. Yes. So um, we'll have to have you on as a guest, uh, you know, guest of honor as our our main cheerleader. But anyway, so that's our little word to Frank. So let's move on to the second half of our Father's Day special. You ready? Yeah. Let's roll. So, Bob, uh, Dad, what got you into cars? Well, I had to start back when I was probably five, six, seven years old when, when my dad had a Triumph TR3 that I used to love to ride around in uh, as a kid. And... Um, which you, of course, own now, a TR3. Not I that do. TR3, but a TR3. I do. I do. It's my second TR3. Was um, it a new car back then? It wasn't that old. <laughs> he had he had a 59. This was probably around 63, 64 in that ballpark. So we're not going to discuss how old the old man sitting next to me is. But yeah, yeah well, you the can, kid sitting next to me. You can, you can do the math based on That's the right. fact that he's riding in a five-year-old car in 1964. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no, a seven-year-old car in 1964. Yep. Um, so your TR- TR3 was the first real car memory you have? It, it really was. And then um, as, as I got older and because um, my dad had the body shop, which was on the property next door to the house we lived in. And um, one time he uh, he bought this, this package deal. I was 13 years old. He bought a package deal that had 17 cars in it. And one of the cars in it was an old Triumph TR, I'm sorry, Triumph Spitfire. And it was it was pretty ragged. Had, the rocker panels were rotted, and there were holes in the floor, and there was no roof. And I was 13. I fell in love. So uh, I said to my father, I said, Dad, you know, if you're not going to do anything with that, that Spitfire, I thought maybe I could you know, play around with it and maybe make it run. And he looked at me and kind of grinned a little bit and said, you make it run, you can have it. And I ran out in the backyard, and I stole a battery out of another car and did what I had to do, looking at the dual carburetors, a little scared of that. But I said, okay, I can do this. And I see, I see my father do this enough. I pulled the choke out and turned the key over, and it turned over a few times, and the thing started. So I was all excited, and I ran back through the yard at my father's office, and he's inside on the phone. The car's outside running on full choke. Of course. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so about 10 minutes later, he gets off the phone, and I'm like, Dad, 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 let's go outside. i got to show you, show you, show you. So we walk outside, and the car's sitting there going, pa 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 Because now said, it's warm. It's still oh, full oh choke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quite so, warm, probably. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, he said, okay. He says, let's see you make it move. And he turned around back in his office. Uh, of course, it was a manual transmission, correct? It, it was. Yeah. And, um, and to this point, your only experience with the manual transmission was your, your Schwinn orange crate? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, to make a long story short, about 1030 that night, he's chasing me through the backyard going, put that damn car away. But uh, I, I learned how to power shift and power slide and do J-turns and all kinds of good stuff with that car. I would like to go back to 13-year-old my dad and see him. <laughs> yeah trying to drive a standard for the first time and saying he learned to power shift in a Triumph because I've never driven a Triumph that I feel could handle any kind of a power shift. On dirt, you can. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe that makes sense. So he bought a, a lot of 17 cars. He bought a lot of 17 cars. So you're saying that car hoarding goes way back in our family. Oh, heck yeah. All right, excellent. Heck yeah. I don't oh, feel yeah. so uncomfortable oh, anymore. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, the, the lot of 17 cars, a lot of them, they were, they were meant for the shop. They were parts cars. They were a couple of repairables and, and whatnot. But well, this all was just of my cars are technically in. parts cars, but, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I drive them anyway. <laughs> but that was my, uh, my, my love of sports cars and British cars and Triumphs in particular started with the TR3 and then to the Spitfire, and it's to this day. So before we get too far into your cars then, Gramp, Gramp was obviously a car guy as well. Yes. 
not as much into the vintage stuff because the vintage really. stuff at that, that point was, was new. Right. The, all the vintage stuff at that point was model A's. Brass age. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't really care about that kind of stuff. He was more into he's more into race cars and whatnot. He was into race cars. He was involved in some Indianapolis cars back in the 40s and, uh, and whatnot. Because and I know there's a, pictures of him around the garage like hanging out with like Harry Miller and... There's there's some great old pictures from the '46, '47 in that that ballpark um, back there when uh, when Preston Tucker had his rear engine special, which was a Miller car. Right. Why are there pictures of my grandfather, my grandfather with Preston Tucker? Well, <laughs> this is this is this, this is, is a this, segue. Yeah. yeah, this this is probably <laughs> like as as a car guy, this is like my claim to fame and yeah. such, such like a cool story. No, it's a neat story. Yeah, that I really wish. Things had worked out differently, but That's we have fact. at least some cool memorability left over from yes. it. But what? Uh, so, what was Gramps', Gramps connection to Henry Miller, or Harry Miller, and Preston Tucker? Mainly Preston Tucker. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, but there's pictures was, of all of them together, so I'm going <laughs> to ride that wave. He was uh, going to be one of the original 50 Tucker dealers uh, in the United States, which is awesome. And um, unfortunately, uh, Tucker went the way it did. And uh, he lost his shirt back in 1948. All right. He probably wound up losing the Willys franchise because of that, too? No. He gave Willys. He was a Willys dealer and a Packard dealer. He yep. really had a hard time picking a winner, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think he voted for Dewey. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, he um, had the Packard dealership. He had the Willys dealership. The last one to go was the Willys dealership. Oh, it was the last car in existence with the three brands, wasn't it? No. Packard go longer? Well, he got rid of Packard while Packard was still in business. Okay. Uh, but uh, that was during, even during the war when he was selling Packards, uh, they would ship the cars into him with wooden bumpers because they needed the metal and everything else for, oh, that's crazy. for the war effort. And, hmm. and this was, they weren't, they weren't even building new cars then. They were just, just, you know, during the war, they weren't sell, selling cars at all, weren't building cars. And after the war, they were just, they still had trouble getting things like metal. Yeah. Well, it's cool. I know, you know, with those pictures, there's a lot of pictures, too, of it's, uh, you know, DeSantis Motors was yeah. a dealership. And it was, you know, right, in, right here in Salem. And it was a Willys and Packard dealership. And there was even a Tucker sign on the window in the pictures. Yeah, I'd like to have that neon Tucker sign today. Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. What we do have is the, the big clock, the, the neon clock that yep. said DeSantis Motors Tucker on it, which is kind of cool. And some other uh, little memorabilia, but nothing nothing yeah. too big, unfortunately. But well, inside yeah. baseball. Where in Salem was that? Bridge Street. Oh, okay. Uh, anybody from town knows where um, the braking clutch is. They're a yeah. uh, plow installer. Yes. Their front showroom was the showroom, was it not? That's correct. And yeah. for those of you not familiar with it, this is the Salem of the Salem Witch Trials. This yes. The same Salem. Salem, Massachusetts. Heard about, yes. The Salem they teach you about in school. Yes. My exactly. grandfather <laughs> sold Packards and Willie's at. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean. But the great thing, too, is the, the pictures that he took. He went out to the factory in Chicago. Uh, he's he's oh, the, the Packard factory. pictures of the, no, um, the, the, the Tucker, Tucker factory. factory. Yeah, uh, cars, and they only made fifty cars. But he's got pictures of the cars on the assembly line in various stages of completion. Which yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. Nobody's ever seen those pictures. They're really cool. We'll have to share a couple of them. Yeah, through the podcast page. Mm-hmm. If do you that. don't mind terribly. Yeah, we can do that. I figured as much. Yeah, we can scan those someday too. Yeah, there's a lot of cool pictures there. So that's that kind of is the ancient history of our car family. And maybe we'll have to have you come back again someday. Well, you know, there's one really of the delve into the history. The Peterson, right, in the vault, right now. Well, that's where I saw it. it was in the vault. They had a Tucker California Peterson Museum. Yeah. There's a, they're out there. Um, yeah. I know when when Brad, you went to Pennsylvania, you saw one of the AACA museum. The whole Tucker more, exhibit, more than one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know um, he, Brad sent me a 
a picture of the exhibit, and I, I said to him, Brad, I, that picture, that car in the back, the maroon Tucker, I said, is that the Tin Goose, which was the, the prototype, the first Tucker built? Yeah, Tucker number one. And he said, um, yeah, it is. And I said, well, the picture hanging in my office of your grandfather standing next to a Tucker at the factory in, in, in Chicago, that's, that's the car. And, like uh, not just another Tucker, but right, the, that was the, well, the car. So many, the, picture yeah, yeah, the picture taken in 1947. Yeah. And I said, go back there and have your wife take the picture of you standing next to that car. And he said, we left like two hours ago. Yeah, said, we were already long gone. Yeah. So that's what I said to Brad's mother that we're going to Pennsylvania this weekend. Yep. And I drove up to Pennsylvania just to get my picture taken with that car. And, well, also to see the exhibit. Well, honestly, yeah. I mean, well, the whole thing is, is I, I came in and I, I saw the exhibit and I walked around the corner and I saw the car on the pedestal and I actually choked up a little bit. Yeah, because memories of your father, obviously. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, uh, it was really... So you replicated the picture. Yeah. Not yeah. quite as fancy of a dress. I didn't decide to bring a suit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, the one... Well, that was casual in the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the one at the Peterson, they think from... Restoring it, there's different layers of paint that it was used a couple different ways. Probably for different promotions and stuff yeah. around the country. And then, I mean, according to them, like he didn't have enough cars, so he would kind of paint cars different colors to try to, you know, yes, shuffle I, stuff around. Yeah, I can't, I can't verify. Yeah. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Make it look bigger than it really was. I mean, that's what it makes sense. But I, I will say that the stories that my dad told me about Preston Tucker over the years, if anybody's ever seen the movie Tucker. Yeah. Um, the, when Jeff Bridges played the part of Preston Tucker, my, he he is pretty much exactly the way my father described him as you know the showman is always you know up and almost like he was on something. Yeah, you well, he was high on life and trying to get a car built. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing, well, nothing wrong with it's that. It's like I don't know. You won't really see. I mean, maybe Tesla's the closest thing to it right now, as far as like an independent automaker an independent in the United States. United States automaker. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, well, there were a lot of stories that float around about the big three killed them and everything else. That's that's really not true because even the steering wheels on the car weren't ready for production or ready in time. And Lincoln loaned him the steering wheels, Ford Motor Company, hmm. Lincoln steering wheels that he could put on the cars to sell the cars. And then when the steering wheels were ready, he could recall the cars and have them changed. So what is the main reason that well, it failed? It was government. Oh, okay. It was absolutely So that, there's the big difference right there between Tucker and Tesla. Yeah. The government didn't want Tucker. And the government wants Tesla. <laughs> yeah. So there's big uh, time time lapse differences there. But um, I think that's probably the coolest thing about our whole entire family history with cars is that. Oh, that. And he was involved in, like, quarter midgets, too, wasn't he, at the shop? He built midget race cars. Not yeah, quarter midgets. Full-size midgets. midgets. Okay. Yeah. Uh, full-size midgets. For, yeah, full-size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and big, jumbo big, shrimp. Big midgets. <laughs> You're talking into the microphone. Oh, he's he's stepping away. Yeah, anyway. Amateur. Um, anyway. <laughs> Well, there was a there was a speedway right over in West Speedway, right? Yes, Midget Speedway. Was that a wood track? No, 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 dirt track. No, it was a dirt track. I think okay. it's like a walking track now. You can actually go there and just walk around. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's still on Google Maps. Yeah. Hmm, I like to go over there and check it out. Then, and, and then I found on YouTube. I was looking it up. There's some like film from the '60s of people racing modifieds around it. So he 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 built midget cars at the shop, right? Correct. Yeah. Well, so he built them from beginning to end, or they knocked down kits or the kits. What no, was they the... were pretty much from scrap. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Hmm. So, how come he didn't teach you that? And I'm not a Formula One car racer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm not either. So, you know. well, he's supposed to teach you how to build them. Well, see, back back then, I mean, you're talking in the in the 40s. These midget race cars, you couldn't get anything more dangerous. <laughs> oh no, I'm not saying that we should be in midget racing, <laughs> was, you know, racing midget uh, cars, but but that's what kind of you know kind of had him push me away from that, that yeah, whole probably. idea. 
I wish that we still had some of that stuff left over too, because yeah. that would be amazing to have. I mean, we're talking probably like Offenhauser four cylinder Ford kind of oh, engines. Yeah, yeah. 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 So what are they just tube frames with like a? It was just like a tube frame and an engine in it, right? And Pound then, and sheet metal body, pretty much. Is there, those are transmissions, or there's direct drive to the to the uh, rear end. I think they had transmissions. I think they did in the early cars. Yeah, you know, I'm not even. I know the newer myself. ones are like a direct drive, like the back, new sprint cars. Then, I don't know. Yeah. There was oh, like an, an outlaw, yeah, an yeah. outbox. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not even sure because unfortunately, by the time I came around, my grandfather was fairly elderly, um, and you know, I didn't get to know him and hear all these stories really well. And when you were around, the midget racing stuff wasn't old enough to be interesting again yet. Probably it hadn't hit that cycle. Yeah, it really. That was into the everything else. The yeah, you were cars, into the sports cars and, and the muscle cars at the time. Cars, right. Yeah, and like you know, it's just that whole cycle of of things and and nostalgia that the older something gets and eventually comes back into being fashion and cool again. And I would love to know more about. I'd love to find out more about his midget car builds because ours. Yeah, his midget car builds because that's I, I, it interests me a lot that somebody that close to me and my family used to build race cars mm-hmm. and I don't build race mm-hmm. cars and I wish I built race cars. <laughs> so I like to look at race cars. Well, it might be records somewhere. People, I don't even know how you'd look that up though. If we, if we don't have the records, where are we going to find them? Google them because some people have them and they post them somewhere. There was, when I was looking up West Peabody Speedway, there was results like posted. Like so if they have chassis years. builder results. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Well, this, this was going to require some more research. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, you have any questions for my father before I go off rails here? Because obviously he's my father and I'm familiar with him. <laughs> uh, not not any more than what's on the what we have written down here. Just I was going to say how many cars you've owned, or or do you think you know how many? About two hundred. About two hundred. <laughs> not currently. Over the years. Yeah, over the years. The most yeah. I've had it once was twenty four. Yeah. Okay. Twenty four. Twenty four. Probably yeah. when you owned the body shop, though. Yes, because you had more room. Yeah, had more yeah. room. I had them in I had them in six different cities, I think. All right. So Again. I see where this comes from. Yeah. See, the apple doesn't fall far. All right. <laughs> all mine ran. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> I don't think that's entirely true. If you had twenty four cars. There wasn't one that didn't run. No, I think they pretty much all ran. Hmm. Oh, honestly, though, that's that's too many. Well, yeah. Too many for one person to, to work full time and to take care of. It's impossible. What about thirteen? Uh, that's where I'm at now. <laughs> right. So that's what I'm saying. Is that too many or is that a reasonable number? Uh, that's pretty. That's high too. But it's reasonable. It's it's, it's, it's workable. Reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. We're all it's, in the it's, same boat. It's still okay. Well, the difference is you're older and have you know you're more, slightly more established than I am, <laughs> um, and it's a little easier for you to be like, oh, the car is broken. So and so can fix it for me. Yeah. Because you've got to that point where you're a little less into the wrenching now and more yeah, into the, just enjoying. Yeah. Are the ones you have now probably the, your favorite ones or are there ones in the past that you liked more? Or? The, the Well, I mean, look, face of my Camaro I've had for 43 years. I bought when I was 16 years old. Um, and I've got some cars I've had for a long time. That the, the, the blue Corvette that I've had now for 32 years. That's an 80 Corvette. So yes. it's, 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 yeah, I mean, again, it's not C3. a real special great car but I've, I've had the car forever and i really like it um I, there's a few cars i like to have back yeah i mean that the pickup truck that i had the 55 chevy uh first series that uh, when i bought it it was just a stock six cylinder but it was a solid truck i think we've talked about that truck <clears throat> on the podcast haven't we briefly yeah I don't, what was done to it though because it was hot rodded oh, it yeah. was hot rodded i had all the parts at the shop i had a camaro subframe i had the small block yeah uh, 
Chevy V8. I had a Corvette rear end. Uh, I had the interior out of a out of a Pontiac. I had the tilt steering column out of an Oldsmobile. Um, it was a matter of putting it all together. Yeah. And uh, I had a, a friend of mine who um, has a shop in Gloucester, at, uh, Baron Hazen, who did the subframe for me because that was his specialty. And yeah. I said, you know, I'd like it to sit with a little bit of a rake and about, you know, so high off the ground. And when I got the truck back, it was perfect. absolutely perfect. Yeah, we need pictures of that, too, because and that's my favorite thing you've ever owned. It was the... It handled like it, you wouldn't believe it. it was four-wheel independent suspension. It was four-wheel disc brakes. Uh, it made the bed floor out of teak. Uh, it, it was just it had, it had air conditioning. Uh, it was just a great, great truck. And I drove it every day, three seasons for well, about nine years, I guess it yeah, was. It would have like 15 by 11s on the back. They were uh, pretty big. They were pretty big, yeah. yeah. I remember it because my, my dad and I drove it to a show or something. You were driving other stuff. and Yeah, that was... One of one of my favorite things from childhood. You, yeah. you, you, two, you had two hot rods over the years. You had that, and you had that forty nine Chevy. Yeah, it was a forty Ford before you. Yeah, that I, I'm talking <laughs> that I remember was those are the two. Like you've had a, any number of stock cars, and as much as I love stock cars, I really like those two hot rods, especially that fifty five truck because it was the fifty five first series. So anybody that knows Chevy pickup trucks, fifty five was a big year for Chevy in general, changing their whole body style, mm-hmm. and everything became more modern. But early in the year, the 55 trucks were still the same body style as the 49 and 50 trucks. Oh. So I had the big bulbous fenders. And yeah, the difference was a one-piece windshield and the uh, the grill. The grill was a little different, yeah. But that was a, that was just a cool truck. I remember that very well. It was black and white, right? It was black fenders and yeah. white body. Yeah. Yeah, and a black roof. And I, I, that's the one of all the vehicles I've had I would want back more than anything. Yeah, I agree. Only because it was, you know, you built it. I mean, your friend built the chassis, but you built the rest of it. And it was... Probably would age pretty well. Oh, yeah. It would, all, all it would need to be current is a different set of wheels. Yeah. Because they had those... What, what kind of wheels were those? They had true spoke wire wheels. Yeah, true spoke. Yeah, that's what okay. it was. So they like the chrome wire wheels. With but the they didn't paint it like teal with like heartbeat stripes or anything. So. No, no, it was just <laughs> black and white. And it matched the, the tow trucks and the other trucks we had at the business. And, uh. Although, would you like to delve into my father's jail car history? Because there are a couple. Oh, go for it. Dad, do you know what a jail car is? No, it was a jail car. Okay, this was coined by a uh, a member of another podcast, um, one that mentions us all the time, so we'll throw their name out there. It's uh, Camden Tubbed. Um, if you like cars, listen to them. Don't take away from listening to us. Listen to them. Please listen to them. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, two really good guys. We've talked about them many times. But they have a, they've coined a term called jail cars, and there's a Facebook page, um, jail car Facebook page, and, and other stuff. But it's basically a car that you can tell is so outdated that somebody built it, and went to jail, and 25 years later, when they got out, their mother had kept it under a cover in the garage and handed it back to him and was like, here you go, son. I kept it the way you left it, and he proudly drives it to the car show, and it's like, wow, where has this thing been? So that's a jail car. Uh, so your your truck was not a jail car. Would you like to admit which car you had that I think was a jail car before I say it? Or do you already or you don't I, know which one I, it was? Because I, in your mind, they're all period, correct, and perfect. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, you're my El Camino. Yeah, El Camino. Do you remember the El Camino? <laughs> no, I don't remember it. Do you want to tell the audience what color your El Camino was? It was an 85 El Camino SS that I bought. Um, I was hitting the side when I bought it. Yep. And um, it was maroon with the silver on the bottom. Classy. And yeah, it was maroon, okay. maroon, there, maroon there was a, floor interior too, right? There was, there was a dozen of them out there. Right. And um, I, I changed it to more of a plum color. Which is uh, a, a layman's term for uh, is, is purple. Well, it was plum. Yeah. 
purple. Yeah, plum. <laughs> you ever seen Grimace? Yeah. yeah. No, it was way more dark than that. Like Come a, on. Uh, was, Barney? Maybe more yeah, it was, Barney it, it was, it was It was just a shade off maroon towards purple. Right. But the big uh, shade. But, but the, the bottom of it, the bottom. Right, the, the pot that used to be silver. The pot that used to be silver, I, I, I painted a metallic um, pink. <laughs> yes. But it looked really cool at the time. It, and we're it, talking we're in the eighties now. Oh 90s. no, I no, it was it was the it was, it was, it was late eighties. Might have been. I don't yeah, know. because you traded it for the the Jeep eventually yeah. and that was only a couple years old and you got it, so that was in eighty seven, so you painted this probably like eighty six, I would think. Yeah. So it was uh, it was period fine. It was period correct. Yeah. <laughs> I never liked it. I wouldn't do it again today. I would no. hope not. <laughs> what color pinstripe separated the two colors? That was purple. <laughs> purple, purple. Purple. That well, was it, was, like, it was silver with purple in the middle, I believe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's the first one that comes to mind when I think of my father's right. jail cars. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that, but I don't right. think there's any others. Well, there's a couple other minor things. Yeah, give me a for instance. Uh, the Bronco, the red Bronco. What's wrong with the Bronco? It had the purple pinstripe in between the red and the white. But it looked good. It's a red Bronco and a white <laughs> Bronco. And the collar pinstripe he chose to separate the red and the white was purple. Hmm. And silver. I just and remember red. that it was red. And white and purple. So... You know, every man it's has a their every, every, every every man has their flaws. <laughs> <laughs> I, my, I like to say that my father uh, sometimes is colorblind. I'll, I will give you this though that you're 80 vet because you painted that in 1988. What? That has held up quite well. Yeah, no, that looks beautiful still to this the, day. Even the, the wheel choices. The, yeah, the dark blue on. one. Well, it's the light blue, medium, top. medium blue over dark blue. Yeah, that was the that was the first attempt at a uh, a urethane base coat clear coat in the shop. Well, it's held up well. I've never seen that years. was your own color choice yes. design. Yeah, because I never, the, see, the I've dark, never seen another one like that. The dark blue in the bottom yeah. is factory blue, right? No, the top is is factory. Well, the top is factory, and the bottom is not. Right. And it's even cool because at the time he was, you know, way into cars like we are. He still is, but I mean, he was way more crazy then. <laughs> but I'm talking, you used to do a lot more of your own work and builds and, yeah, and that kind then. of stuff. Yeah. But when he two toned the car, he carried the two tone into the door jams. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Nobody does that. Well, because you don't so. usually see. Most custom vets do not look good. No, no most, custom vets are horrible. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. This, yeah, this, yeah, this is not a custom vet. It's a stock, pretty much stock vet with a custom paint color. Yeah. And uh, a really Enki. nice set of Enki EK48s or EK49s. They look like BBS. They look kind of like yeah, RS, yeah. Basket weave. Yeah, they're true, they're a true three-piece basket weave Enki wheel. Because you, at the time, at the body shop that you owned, also were a tire and wheel dealer. I had a tire store, yeah. 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 Which, uh, we've, I don't know if I told that story about the steering wheels, have I? Uh, no. The 84 steering that I have, when I bought it, came with a stack of receipts. Yeah. And the guy had bought the wheels in 86, and they had originated from your store. So that was kind of cool. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. One of the reasons I kind of have to hold on to that forever, but even though it's not worth holding on to forever. And you're enabling me, though, because it's in your yard, and you haven't said anything lately. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a little softy when it comes to that, I guess. So of the stuff you've owned, and of the cars you still have now... You know, he said, is there anything you'd rather have back? But what's been your, I mean, what changed to make you go from British cars and American cars to now finally accepting some other countries' cars? <laughs> well, I never I never disliked Japanese cars. I just was never a big fan of them. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I had a bunch of... Big cars for a while. I had um, some. I had the '63 Thunderbird, that thing, the '65 Lincoln. I had the '58 Caddy. Yep. You know the '57 Eldorado Cadillac Brougham. Um, 
and the 57 T-Birds, uh, which were all, I, I enjoyed them. They're great cars to be seen in, but they're not such great cars to drive. No, they're not driver's cars. And I decided, I got to the point, I said, I, I want cars that put a smile on my face. I don't care about anybody else's face. Okay. And that's, I mean, I kept the Camaro of all, all these years because I've had it for so and that's long. Fun to drive. And that's a great car yeah. to drive. And even the, the 80 Corvette is, you know, it's it's not a muscle car. It's it's just, it's muscle a nice. Muscle is not the word he's no, that car. <laughs> no, it's just, but it's a nice car to drive. Yeah, uh, okay. But the, the Triumphs, I get you know the Spitfire and the the TR three. They're just they're they're a hoot, and and you you really can't have much more fun with seventy four neck snapping horsepower than you can in that Spitfire. Yeah, slow car fast. Yeah, yeah. and um, we're a big proponent of slow car fast around here. But yeah, I I, I kind of leaned a little bit now that I've got the uh, the RX the two RX sevens and the uh, Celica. That was uh, probably the angriest you ever made me when what? you first told me I you. When I was a teenager and I wanted to buy an RX-7, you said, no, they're terrible cars. You should never buy one. You were and looking then, like, at a second gen that and, we didn't know much about. And then, about. like, two years later, he's like, check out this RX-7 I just bought. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wonderful, you hypocrite. <laughs> so That's about to be a great car. But, you, you see? Um, but at the same time, the fact that he didn't want me to buy the RX-7... Is the reason that I got into the Talon, which he hated in the oh, long run. Despised that car, <laughs> but it's also the car that got me and probably also Andrew into the whole train of Mitsubishi's. Yeah. So it's kind of by you not allowing me to buy that RX-7 when I was a teenager, <laughs> it's kind of changed my whole path. So I thought it was that in the Golf or the GTI, the GTI, yeah. Rabbit GTI, you wouldn't buy too because the miles are too high. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Oh yeah. Even the car was fully rebuilt. You're like, nope. Twenty miles on it. It doesn't matter. It's fully rebuilt. Nope. Twenty miles on it. But whatever. That's if I were to go back in time, I would definitely buy that GTI if I would not ask my father for <laughs> advice. Yeah. There are some things I wouldn't ask him for advice, and some things that I'd go right back to him for. So I still call him. You know, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Call your dad for advice, and then just do the opposite. <laughs> right. Take what your dad says and do exactly the opposite, which is what he does with me too. So it's okay, right? Yeah. So anyway. Um, so we know you're into cars, obviously. You've had a lot of cars. Um, what do you do with cars nowadays? Cruise nights, car shows, and enjoy them. Okay. I'm thinking more plug your stuff. What do you have for car shows that you're involved with? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> if anybody's heard of the, the um, Misslewood Concord d'Elegance, in, in Beverly, Mass., uh, I'm, I'm the chief judge for that. It's oh, coming uh, up. Which is coming up July 23rd. Yes. Yeah. We have the tour on July 22nd. Which is basically the day before the, the event. You have all the cars that are entered are welcome to do like a driving tour of roads. Right, and even some cars that aren't that have registered just for the tour. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not an invite only for the tour? It's not. No. Okay. Um, so you can apply to go to the tour. And um, it's and all we through. might have to go to that for future event planning practice yeah we'll see because it's this i think it's the same weekend this year as the the rally oh like every year yeah it somehow works out stupid events anyway uh uh, (laughs) yeah yeah this is our eighth year and uh, it gets better every year really eight years already yeah Yeah. wow yeah Yeah. but Uh, if you're on the north shore of massachusetts or even anywhere in New England, you should go see it. It's well worth the drive. There's some yes. stuff there you'll never see anywhere yeah. else. The, the the thing is, we get uh, like um, Auto Week magazine yeah. and a couple of other magazines have yeah. said that there are there are really two concours in the Northeast, and one of them is Greenwich, and we're the other one. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty really big, pretty big praise. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was I was thrilled when I saw that. It's really developed into. Uh, 
it's kind of grown its own set of legs, you know. And well, the it, setting is so, really beautiful too. Right setting is gorgeous. I mean, I, I was involved in the Hill Castle Hill Concourse uh, years ago. That was an Ipswich Ipswich Mass yeah. at, at uh, Crane's Castle, and uh, that was an amazing event. There's one aspect of that oh, that's event what we I have to. We that's have what I wanted to, to ask you about. Yeah, yeah was, there's one aspect of that event we have to somehow get back. The hill climb. The hill climb. Yeah, I'll get to that because we. Uh, Stephanie and I went to lunch up in Essex the other day. We drove by there, and I was like, "Man, I wish they still had that event." Because I only went to it once. And I remember it was like 2001 or yeah, something. And the, and the my Camaro. Yeah, you, me, and Joey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's my Camaro's not in the concourse. It was no, just, we went in my Camaro too. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, because they had other show, <laughs> well, they, they, they had show field. They had vintage car parking. Yes. that wasn't concourse car. Vintage car parking, but for about two thousand cars. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was just, ridiculous. It was amazing. It was awesome. It was. But anyway, when I, I got the call um, again eight years ago now. If I was interested in running another concourse, and it was at Endicott College at, at Misslewood, and I I couldn't say yes fast enough. Right. Uh, the setting is spectacular, but it's it's funny going from something like that, and you're you're starting a concourse off, and you're looking at people going, you know, would you please bring your car to my concourse? And now I get people coming up to me and saying, can I please bring my car to your concourse? Yeah, that's awesome. So it, it's uh, it's really it's grown its own legs and it's really really taken off. Yeah, I was telling you, I met a guy the other day who's restoring a car and he hopes to have it done for next year's concourse. And I was like, oh, okay. Funny story about that. I know a lot about <laughs> that. Yeah. Well, you're you're a qualified judge for that concourse. I don't know if I'm qualified, but I'm a judge. <laughs> I I like to judge. <laughs> I think Andrew could be a qualified judge too. You think? If we're around, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think he could do it. The, uh, he knows at least as much, if not the, more, than me. The tour is pretty cool, though, because, uh, I mean, a couple years ago, a uh, gentleman brought his GT40 road car. Yeah. yeah. Like, not a new Ford GT, like, no. like a yeah, 1967. 1966, I think it 66 was. 66 GT40. Yeah. That yeah, was it, it's, unrestored, right? It was. It's been restored. Oh, okay. It is restored. But yeah. uh, it, the funny thing is, is I, I placed myself behind that in the, the tour just so I could listen to it for the whole tour. Yeah. Forgetting the fact it's burning racing gas and my eyes are burning by the time we get to the end of the Doesn't tour. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and I was, I was riding with, uh, with a friend of mine in the car and we got to our halfway stop in Newburyport and we get out and the guy got out of the car and of course the, with the windows in the GT40 the size of a gas door, yep. a fuel door. And there's no air conditioning obviously. And the, no, and the guy got out of the car and he was like dripping wet. Yeah. And I said to my buddies, Pete, look at this guy. He is drowned. I wish I was him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you want to ride my convertible with that? I'll drive your car home. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's that's pretty awesome. And that's kind of an unknown thing too about the concourse. That's not as popular of an event yet is the the tour and Well it is. It's mainly for participants and, and other people and I, I think if people knew that they could see the cars in motion, they might be interested in yeah. going a day early and seeing that because what's that's, the, a, that's a huge thing. What's the oldest car you've had there? Do you know? The steamer. We've had yeah, going back I believe as far as maybe nineteen oh two, nineteen oh three in that ballpark. Doesn't we've go much further back than that. No, we've had, <laughs> no, no, we've had a few uh, in that that age bracket. Yeah, so you I go know over, we've got another one coming this year. You go basically from the brass era to is there a cutoff? For- well, we try to keep the cutoff around nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, but if it, depending on the vehicle, special vehicles, obviously we're gonna we're gonna let in. Is there like a like a feature mark ever this year, or what's the... We feature something different every year, yeah. and this year we're featuring unrestored automobiles. Okay. And uh, we've got some cars, unrestored cars, coming from the 20s and 30s. Which uh, is amazing. But that's not all the cars there are not going to be unrestored. But no, just the specialty. It's, it's, it's a specialty, yeah. and what we do is, like the year we had uh, Lincolns or, or Imperials, there was just a special category for those, special awards for those cars. Right. So these special awards for unrestored cars. Excellent. Do you have a memory or a car from the event over the past eight years that's been a standout to you, your favorite? 
Well, uh, there's been several. I mean, I hate this question. What's your favorite car ever? Like, I, yeah. I always hate that question, yeah. but no. I think you can have a standout, you know, what would somebody expect to see when they come to Mizzlewood that you think is, you know, a good, like, hey, this was there. Imagine well, we, what might be there this year. We had Fred Dusenberg's personal Dusenberg there one year. That's uh, pretty amazing. That was pretty awesome, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've had some just, just amazing, amazing cars there. Um, cars that I'd never seen before myself. Uh, just just phenomenal, phenomenal cars that, that sit up at the top at the, the overlooking the ocean. It's just spectacular. Oh, there's some lightning. Now, we're just wondering. We, here's some, I, I if you hear some background that, noise, yeah. it's, it started pouring, pouring rain. rain outside, yeah. yeah. I was like, what is that? I thought something was breaking in the basement here. Apparently, yeah. the rain running down the gutter. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Fred, Fred Dusenberg's personal car, personal yeah. car is, is, is the Dusenberg. That's, one, that's one, of the, one of the high points that I've seen there. But yeah, the Cunningham is one of my favorites. That took uh, Best of oh, Show right. last year, and that car was, was just the, magnificent. The birdcage? No, 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 the Maserati birdcage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was, there was a Maserati birdcage oh, there as right. well yeah. once. Um, no, it was a Cunningham. Remember the model name for that? It was a 53? It, it wasn't. It was a coupe, uh, one of the handful that were built. Yeah. Um, and it was just, I mean, it was flawless. And that's yeah. all the time or the, the previous seven years, the cars that won best to show were always pre-war cars, like that Duesenberg, yep. like the V16 Cadillac that one year. Uh, this took best to show, and... Uh, it deserved it, and I'll, I'll challenge anybody to tell me different. The car was just yeah. magnificent. And there's some, for people more in, like, Andrew and mine's age bracket, there's usually some, like, 60s and 70s race cars. I mean, BMW brought there, currently owned by BMW. I believe that was last year. Last year, the three was a 3.5 CSL. Yeah, the, the race car. The, the race car. The Batmobile. Yeah, yeah, the Batmobile. Yeah. Like, number, I believe it was number 25. Yeah, like, like. Actual, the cars owned by BMW and yeah. BMW. They were doing some tour of yeah. concourse last yeah, year. They thought to bring that to yeah. the Misslewood concourse and just kind of give you an idea of yeah. the caliber of stuff that does show up there. It's pretty you amazing. Can, you, you can Lancia look up, or Lancia Fulvia. Yeah, Lancia Fulvia was there. Yep. You can look up uh, Misslewood concourse online to see pictures from previous years too, mm-hmm. and it gives you an idea and the, the setting and everything else. It's yeah, just, it's pretty amazing. It's like I think my own personal opinion. I think it's well on its way to like a you know, Pebble Beach East kind of deal with the settings oh. of it. And maybe, this may be shooting a little high right now, but <laughs> yeah. I'd be, hey, listen, if you don't strive for the great, for the best, what are you going to ever get? Yeah, it is. Know? I mean, we're, we're a little uh, cramped for space there, but... Um, It'll never be as big space-wise, but I mean, as far as the setting goes and the pictures go, it's very similar. Oh, the setting's gorgeous. Yeah. It's right over the ocean. It's rolling hills. It's beautiful vintage buildings. It's it's, it's absolutely stunning place. Yeah. Looking out over so. the ocean, though, is just... And the thing is, we get a lot of people coming from all around the country. We get people coming from the Midwest and the central part of the country yep. who really never get to see the ocean. And that's why we do our tours always... Goes up coastal roads, coastal roads up through Cape Ann, Gloucester, Rockport. Uh, could go to Newburyport, but it always goes along the water. Go up through Rye, those really windy roads in New Hampshire. Next yeah. Year. yeah, that's probably the best. <laughs> it's my favorite roads to ride on, drive Neat. on. But so anyway, what else you got, Andrew? Uh, that was it for me. You got anything else? Uh, I don't have anything else to ask him. I mean, I think that we might have to uh, have you back sometime and delve more into the history of the race cars if we can figure that out. You know, you you're actually really kind of. Peaks of interest. Peaks of interest, and yeah. I, I think I really want to do that and see if I can find something. I, I really want to know more of what that is. And, you know, I don't have the kind of funds to buy vintage race cars, but I'd love to find a, any bastion of hope that there's a race car left out there that my grandfather built. I would pretty much. They might exist somewhere, yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
who knows? Because that, that stuff didn't get driven on the street. No. It's stuffed in a garage and yeah. forgotten about. People mm-hmm. hoarded it. Yeah. And now if somebody's somebody raced a car like that in the 40s and 50s and they were in their 20s, you know, they're the, they the age now where they're passing and the stuff might start to get unearthed. Who knows? But I'd, I'd really like to find one of those because that'd be really cool. Yeah. Certainly. But... So, well, thanks for coming, Dan. Oh, hey, this was kind of fun. I enjoyed I it. Appreciate it. Yeah, it is really fun. Yeah, we uh, we didn't have a whole huge structure going with the uh, with the show tonight. If we were kind of wing it like we did with 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 Tony last week, and kind of give you a fair yeah, shake. just let it go organically. Yeah, give you give you a fair shake. To tell your side of the story. <laughs> um, and if you have to listen to that episode yet, you should. You uh, yeah, I listen to what uh, what what Tony had to say and how Andrew and I were pushing you and Tony to restore cars together because. He's a mechanic and you're a body man. You have every base covered. <laughs> yeah. And we don't know why you don't. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. That's, that's why even toward the end of uh, having the body shop, and I, I get more into writing than I get into, you know. Yeah, that's actually another thing, which we didn't even touch on, is my father used to write for Cars and Parts magazine. Right. He actually, what year did you start writing for them? 92? 93. 93? 93. He actually used to write The Price Guide, the old cars... Uh, sorry, the, it was Cars, the, cars and Parts, parts at the time. Cars and Parts Price Guide, which was like the guide for the entire country or almost world. Well, there was a couple of them out there. But, but it was it was <laughs> it was it was important. It wasn't like it was no It did okay. Yeah, it wasn't some guy in a blog. It was you had a published price guide that was entirely written by you. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the most fun part about that was uh, it was one of those things that because I was doing appraises, uh, appraising anyway, and yep. antique appraising. And um, I just I didn't like what was out there, and I just said, you know, I can do this. And yeah. I spent 18 months. I wrote it, and uh, when I finished it, I, I drove up to Vermont to bring it to Hemmings to see if they wanted to publish it. And right. they, they said no, yep. politely. Um, but then I came back, and I called um, Cars and Parts Magazine out of Sydney, Ohio. Right. And the publisher was a, a gentleman named Walt Reed, and uh, I told him who I was, and he said, I heard of you. He says, don't you run the cruise auction in Boston? Well, that's right, too. He used to run the auctions. Too. There's a whole bunch of history here we skipped yeah. over. <laughs> and I said, uh, well, um, yeah, I was kind of shocked. Well, and, they, they did coverage at the time of all the auctions, did they not? Yeah, they did some. Yeah. But, I mean, why would they know my name? But anyway. Because um, you're world famous. He said, <laughs> yeah, I'm a locally famous guy uh, around my street. But anyway, uh, he said, um, yeah, I'd love to see it. Um, I'm going to give you out of my secretary, and she'll get the arrangements, and we'll send you out a plane ticket and bring it with you. I said, okay. I'm, and I brought it out there, and they said, yeah, let's do it. So you wrote that for a few years, and you actually wound up writing for the magazine. Articles. I wrote a lot for the magazine. What they did was they'd send me all over the country to uh, to auctions and, and yep. whatnot, and I went to you know, Scottsdale. And, oh, you did feature cars, too. I, I did feature cars, too. Yeah. But the funniest yeah, we thing, forget about that when Andrew and I talk about you know journalistic things and, and yeah. publishing things. I didn't and, know all that stuff. Oh, you did not know that? I knew some of it. I didn't know all of yeah. it. Though. No, yeah. he's got a lot, and he probably still have a lot of those magazines lying around if we look I'm for them. I'm sure they're in the house somewhere. Yeah, we should probably dig some of those out and look some of those articles. But, all right. <laughs> the, uh, the funniest thing was, though, when I went out, to, I think my first trip I went out, and I, I forget if the first one was uh, Scottsdale or Auburn, Indiana, where mm-hmm. it was a big one. And uh, they said to me, you know, we want you at our tent between 10 and 2 on Saturday morning. And I'm thinking, well, okay, I can sell T-shirts. All right. You know, I don't care, whatever. They're sending me out there. They're paying me to be there. So Saturday morning, I go out looking to find the tent, and I, I look, and there's like 15 people standing in line. And I'm thinking, oh, we must be out of sale. <laughs> 
And I looked at it. It's a big banner up. It said, meet the author. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, Bob DeSantis will be here um, between 10 and 2 to answer your questions and sign autographs. And I'm just standing there with my jaw bouncing off the ground. What? <laughs> Neat. This isn't supposed to happen. Yeah, this was just the weirdest thing ever. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. So that's, uh, that's, that's how I got where I am because my father is as relentless as I am with car stuff. Yeah. So with that, is there anything, are there any cars right now that you think are going to suddenly shoot up in value? They, they, you know, I, I've seen um, British cars have have climbed way up. The Japanese cars now, the right cars are going crazy. Yeah. Um, you get into like the, the Mopar muscle cars, they've pretty much plateaued. Yeah. Um, you know, talk about like small Thunderbirds, they, they haven't gone anywhere in the well, last 25 years. They've gone down, years. if anything. Uh, you know, a, a real nice car today, you're still talking thirty five, forty thousand dollars $40,000. And you were yeah. talking that 25 years ago yeah. when I saw my, my other one. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, the, it's is it a generational thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, same and, way you can buy a restored Model T now for six six five hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, Model A's were, were crazy money years ago, but uh, they, the bottom fell out of them as well. So, hot tip, what's the hot buy right now? Japanese. Anything specific? Japanese sports cars. Okay. 70s, 80s. Yeah, Z cars, RX-7. I think Z cars have been, even probably 10 years, like going up and up and up. Yeah, Z cars were the first. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, now it's the RX-7s and the later Z cars even are going up. Yeah, yeah. Supers, look, look what a Super, the last uh, generation Super's worth. Yeah. yeah, those are ridiculous. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a fan. It's a fanboy thing, not a true value. That's going to fall out eventually, I think. Probably like everything else. Yeah, I mean before everything else. I mean those those have gone so inflated that they have to they have, that bubble has to burst. I don't understand a six figure ninety three Supra. Yeah, you know, I, I saw that this this that inflation thing go years ago back when I was still writing. Yep. And you'd see guys they'd be at auctions and they'd be paying one hundred and sixty thousand dollars for a for a mid year Corvette. They'd be paying one hundred eighty thousand dollars for a fifty nine Cadillac convertible. You know, five hundred thousand dollars for a certain Ferrari, and then all of a sudden, the bottom just opened up, and that guy that paid four hundred thousand for that Ferrari was lucky to get a hundred thousand for it. Not know. anymore. The Ferraris. Oh, are this, this is this is back. I'm talking back <laughs> yeah. then. And but that, know, that was probably a uh, economy thing more than anything else, wasn't it at the time? It might have been, but I've seen it happen before. The yeah. artificially high prices, and the bottom just falls out of them. Yeah, like nine eleven Porsches right now. Yeah, and it's it's just, uh, and I remember writing an article about it, and uh, my publisher called me and said, "This thing is, is scathing. We can't publish this." And I said, "Well, you know, the, the, our our audience is the average guy whose, whose dream car might be a '57 Chevy that you can no longer afford." Just wait uh, a few years, maybe. Yeah, and and because uh, the, the article said that you know the guy that spent the, the hundred sixty thousand dollars for that Corvette that now can get sixty for it, mm-hmm. I don't feel bad for him. Because they were just speculators, they weren't enthusiasts. They yeah. were they were guys with briefcases full of cash, and they needed to hide their money somewhere. Stockbrokers. Yeah. I think that still goes on with the high high end stuff. I've seen oh, it, it, does. it goes up and, and Porsches it goes down. and Ferraris and stuff yeah. now is definitely in that yeah. Yeah. In absolutely that, that span of things. And you'll see the bottom fall out of it again. Well, good. I'll have my my spare change ready to buy air cooled nine eleven when the bottom falls out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They have yeah, they have quite a bit of staying power. No, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just angry because I had a chance to buy one like four years ago and yeah. I blew it. Yeah, and now I'll never own one. So, whatever. Yeah, I could have bought a GT40 when I was 16. That's true. You could have. Did you ever hear that story? <laughs> I've heard uh, bits and pieces there of it. There was one at the shop. It was at my brother's shop. 
Yeah. And it was hitting the front, light hitting the front. I an mean, a, it was an actual GT40. An actual GT40. Yeah. And this was in 19, let's see, I was 16, so 1974. Yeah, when I bought my Camaro, because I bought the Camaro instead. And, uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the car was hitting the front, and uh, it was it was a ton of money. I mean, it was $10,000 hitting the front. And uh, I was I was all set. I wanted this car so bad. And then my father said, not a chance. And uh, I didn't get it. I wonder where that car is now. I have no idea. I wonder what car it is. I know. I mean, because you could have paid ten so grand for it and just sat on it and not done anything to it. Wrecked. Yeah. Wrecked. Yeah. But you wouldn't have either put it back together. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I might not be here because you would have been killed. <laughs> Drag racing on 128. That's what my father was afraid of. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly it. Yeah. Drag but, racing. My father was the one that was drag racing with me and his Corvette and me and my Camaro down 128. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember riding with the two of you and going too fast at a young age. Not us. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely it's definitely in the blood, mm-hmm. which is why I own slow cars. <laughs> yes. So I can drive them hard and not break the lock because I have a little bit of a heavy right foot. Yep. As does Andrew. I and do. my father. But the only one who's calmed down is your father's calmed down a little bit. He doesn't have a heavy foot anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But he has stories he in does. the past when he had a heavy foot too. <laughs> so it definitely runs in the families. But anyway, so thank you for coming. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks uh, for coming. Again, thank you. Thanks for being my dad. Thanks for still being around. I appreciate for, that. Uh, everything you've done for me over the years. Even to this day, at 36 years old, I still yep. call you for help, and uh, I still don't listen. But it's nice to <laughs> it's nice to vent once in a while. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for that. So again, if you're in New England and you want to see a really good Concorde de Elegance, you should go to Misslewood. Is it Misslewood.com or it's, it's um, Misslewood Concorde? I believe dot com. But if you look at even Endicott College, if you Google Misslewood Concourse, you'll find yeah, it. you'll find it, and you'll find it on the Endicott College dot yeah. org. Because I think it's edu. it's very inexpensive for spectators too. It's like ten bucks. Oh, 10 no, it's like twenty five. Twenty five. Okay, twenty five. Yeah. Endicott dot edu right. slash concourse. Yes, that's the how you get to the page. It's right in Beverly, so, Massachusetts. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's really it's half hour from Boston. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's worth a trip to Massachusetts to see it if you're if you're not even local. I mean, it's it's. A pretty amazing event, mm-hmm. and I would go out of town to see it. Yes. I'm glad I don't have to, but I would. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we, we do it technically because the same weekend as the rally, the uh, New England Forest Rally, every year. And I'm always running away Sunday morning from the rally, first thing in the morning, and drive home three and a half hours to make sure I'm home in time. Yep. So, and every year it's like, oh, next year I'm just going to skip one of these things, and then I can't skip either of them. So, mm-hmm. but Oh, well. All right. Well, Andrew, social media? Yes. You can follow us on Facebook, Out Off Topic uh, Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Out Off Topic. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Raced in Anger. Uh, Brad? Uh, don't forget the Out Off Topic coloring contest is on again. We yes. have the little intro before the show, I'm sure you heard. Yep. Um, but there's a Facebook page for that. Um, the podcast, as always, is brought to you by Vintage Imports of New England. Um, look us up, vintageimportsne.com, uh, and Vintage Imports of New England on Facebook and Instagram. And my personal Instagram that Andrew will make fun of again, because this is just a weekly thing, TSISS350. Yes. Thank you all for listening. Thanks. Keep cars analog.